first time I interviewed Neymar, he was 14. He was pretty much famous approaching household name status before he'd even played for the Santos first team. Barca should have been better prepared. They really did not have a contingency plan for if Neymar were to leave. You have the French president, Emmanuel Macron, calling it really good news on the day. Without selling Coutinho for that amount of money, Liverpool's recent history would be very, very different. But then again, Neymar changed the whole dynamic. On March the 7th, 2009, a skinny young forward made his debut for Santos as a substitute for the final 30 minutes of a 2-1 victory over Uesch. He was only 17, but most people already knew his name. He was a prodigy, soon to become the chosen one of Brazilian football. On the other side of the world, Liverpool's bid for a first league title since 1990 was picking up speed. A week later, they beat Manchester United 4-1 at Old Trafford to give themselves genuine hope of overhauling their rivals. Ultimately, they would fall short, and they weren't to know then that it would take another 11 years for them to finally achieve their goal. They weren't to know then the lows and increasingly frequent highs that awaited them over the following decade. And they certainly weren't to know then that over in Brazil, those first steps onto the pitch for a kid called Neymar would not only turn out to be more important for their title prospects than that win over United, but they were also the first steps in a chain of events that would eventually make them European, world and English champions. I'm Adam Leventhal and this is Beyond the Headline, Neymar, the transfer that changed the world. Over the next three episodes, we will explore Neymar's 222 million euro move from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, a transfer that changed the game not only because it more than doubled the world transfer record, but explain how the ripple effects made it arguably the most significant transfer in the history of the game. How it contributed to the crisis at Barcelona that almost saw Lionel Messi leave and topple not one, but two discredited presidents how it took PSG to the Champions League final and changed French football in a way that we're unlikely to see again, and how it allowed Liverpool to build the team that would win their sixth Champions League and most importantly end their 30-year wait for a domestic title. Foi embora, limpou o lance, vem golaço, Neymar, golaço! Let's start at the beginning. Actually, the first time I interviewed Neymar, he was 14 and he was already someone that everyone was talking about. Natalie Jedra, reporter for ESPN Brazil. And everybody saw that he was already different, very skillful, uh, but he was obviously very slim and very shy. So, so it took a while for Neymar to become a brand, if you, if, you may, if you may call him like that, you know. The thing with Neymar is that he was, he was pretty much famous approaching household name status before he'd even played for the Santos first team. Jack Lang, writer for The Athletic and Brazilian football expert. He was obviously very well regarded within the academy. The Copinha Youth Tournament, which is kind of a, a showpiece event really for Brazil's young players, 
all the scouts go to it and it's it's on television despite being an under 20 tournament so Neymar first really caught the eye there age 15 so he was you know years and years younger than some of the people he was playing against made his first team debut at 17 and really within the year became became the the key player really for Santos it was it was not as if he kind of was slowly eased into the team it was you know the first the first few months was him finding his feet but honestly did not take long for him to to start showing what he could do and not not just flickering but really uh, really consistently settling games scoring goals and and obviously uh, adding a few clips every week to to his highlight reel of of tricks and flicks and and silly stuff which is part of what made him such a such a loved player as well Brazilian football is not short of hyped youngsters, but Neymar seemed to be the real thing. If you spoke to people in Brazil as he was emerging... Adam Crafton, writer for The Athletic. We'd heard for so long about so many different players who were the next Pele, and he was meant to be, you know, the real deal. This was the guy who was going to be Brazil's number 10, elevate them to winning a World Cup. He was the flagship guy the star of a home World Cup in in 2014. But like most young talents in Brazil, much of the discussion around Neymar from those early days was about a future beyond Santos. The question wasn't whether he would move to Europe, but when and who he would join. Everybody always knew that he was uh, leaving uh, Brazil in a young age. And actually, I think uh, people thought he would leave even earlier because I remember uh, pictures of him very young, I think 14, 15 maybe. No, younger, younger, because I remember when I interviewed him, uh, I asked him about that and he was already 14 and he, he'd already visited Real Madrid and he already had pictures with uh, Ronaldo and Zidane, I think. So everybody was just waiting for the moment that he would departure and enjoying as much as uh, we could. When you have a player of that talent coming through, there's there is the expectation that they will they will move to Europe sooner or later. Neymar, I think, was a particularly interesting case in that regard because the process just lasted longer than it normally does for for a lot of these players nowadays. You see players now kind of agreeing moves at. 16, 17, moving at 18. So, you know, take take Vinicius Junior, for example, a really exciting player, but that deal was done very early. And so he only really played uh, about a year of first team football in Brazil before he went. It was unusual, therefore, that Neymar remained at Santos well into his 20s. With him already leading the team, Santos won the Campeonata Paulista in 2010. He was the top scorer in the 2012 Copa Libertadores and the same year he was named South American Player of the Year. Normally, a Brazilian player with that sort of CV would have been snapped up, but Santos did everything they could to keep him. But Santos kind of faced with this onslaught for him, mounted this quite impressive project, basically offering Neymar a lot of what he would have been offered in Europe, not particularly in terms of salary because they they struggled to compete with the basic salary, but they offered him a bigger cut of his image rights. They said, look, we're going to get you a, going to get you an English teacher. We're going to put someone basically in charge of your career progression, kind of looking at the marketing side of things and really tailored this this deal to him. The Santos ex-president Luis Alvaro de Oliveira made a huge um, sponsor's contract with him. Marcelo Beckler, Barcelona-based correspondent for Esporta Interativo. It was about 10 or 11 sponsors 
that would allow Santos to pay basically the same that uh, a European club would pay for him. And he wanted to develop more his football in Brazil before choosing some another club here in Europe. So he knew that uh, sooner or later, whenever he wanted, he he could come here and and play for the basically the team that he wanted. So he chose to stay more at Santos and try to win everything in Brazilian South American football. Nevertheless, European clubs were queuing up to sign him. Santos threatened to report Real Madrid to FIFA over an alleged illegal approach. West Ham chanced their arm with a £12 million bid and Chelsea made a big play for his signature in 2013. Jack Lang explains how the Blues director of football tried to persuade the young Brazilian. So Michael Emanalo made this speech to Neymar and his dad saying, look, uh, take the example of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. This is someone who, who shaped a whole sporting team, a franchise, and, and this is what we can offer you at Chelsea, uh, which apparently did appeal. But by that point, Neymar, Neymar had kind of uh, already started edging towards Barcelona, who had, who had paid a kind of down payment to get first refusal. I think he chose Barcelona because it came to the point where it was just inevitable. Uh, he, he was going to go to, to a big club and uh, the, the big question was uh, is it going to be Real Madrid or is it going to be Barcelona? And I think uh, Barcelona in a way uh, matched his style and he was always a huge Messi fan and he faced Barcelona in, in the World Club Championship final. So I think it wasn't necessarily related to the fact that he he needed someone uh, to be the, the the main guy so he can grow uh, on his own. But he chose Barcelona and for the men that ran the Catalan club obtaining Neymar's signature was about more than just signing a talented player. This was about getting one over their rivals but also about their own legacy and reputation too. It was a really big deal for, for Barcelona to get to beat Real Madrid to the signing of, of Neymar because people people knew he was going to be a big star. Dermot Corrigan, Spanish football correspondent for The Athletic. People also knew that Barca and Madrid were both trying to get him, so that Barca won that race was, was pretty big for them. And it was also big for Sandro Orsay, who was the president then, and his board because they, they now had their own superstar that, you know, they were still... It, it could be another podcast, but there's a... A big battle between the Rosé board and the Laporta board, who was there before. There were previously allies who had fallen out. And a lot of the success that had gone on before with Pep Guardiola and with Messi and Xavi and Iniesta, all these guys was associated with Laporta. And, and Rosé as the Barcelona president and the people around him. The idea was that Neymar was going to be their guy, that he would come in and he would lead them to, to further success and to, to rival what had gone before. And for a while at least, it worked. His first year was not easy because was too young and Barcelona had uh, had players very experienced and they used to play together uh, for Barcelona and for the ne uh, Spain national team so it was hard for him to, to integrate himself in, those, in this ambient uh, the new season in 14-15 uh, when Luis Suarez arrived and they made the, this MSN attack Neymar, Suarez and Messi, or MSN, scored 122 goals between them as, under Luis Enrique, Barca won the treble for the second time, four years after Pep Guardiola did it. 
Neymar himself contributed 39 goals, including the third and clinching strike in the Champions League final against Juventus. Neymar to seal it all. That one does count. And how? So successful was Neymar that he was already being earmarked as the successor to Barcelona's greatest ever player. In fact, there was even talk that his form could persuade Barca to move Lionel Messi on. That was what a lot of people were hoping for. Again, what I'm saying that they would have their star, that the, the board would have would, would have their guy who would lead the team to win another Champions League or to multiple La Liga titles, that type of thing. And, and there was also some some on the board who who wondered when might be the best time to sell Messi because he's he's five years older than Neymar, so he was coming around this time. He was turning thirty, and you know you could see them kind of working out when when can we sell him when his value will be highest, but what before his his contribution on the pitch starts to fall. You know, it seems almost blasphemous to say, but I think the more you analyse what's happened at Barcelona the last few years, the stronger the argument for that maybe becomes. And it, it didn't need to be the, the way it turned out, but but clearly it was one of the triggers for a chain of events that has led Barcelona to be a considerably weaker team now than what they were when Neymar left. It was also increasing annoyance amongst many Barca directors that having to deal with, with Jorge Messi, with Messi's father, that was difficult. Messi himself, as you know, we've gone on to see in more recent times as well, is, is not the easiest character to to understand or, or to, to know what he wants. And there were definitely some of Barca who were thinking, you know, if it was possible to, to, to win the PR battle or, or to not be blamed for Messi leaving and then to have Neymar to take over, then that would be an ideal situation for them. But while he was wildly successful on the pitch, Neymar, or more specifically his transfer from Santos to Barcelona, was causing problems off it. It was initially claimed that Neymar had cost 57 million euros, but before long it became clear that Barcelona had paid much more than that for him. Barcelona made an agreement uh, with Neymar in 2011. Marcelo Beckler. And Barcelona paid him 40 million euros uh, just to guarantee that he would sing to Barcelona whenever he was ready to, to make that, that step. And then when Barcelona singed him in 2013, Barcelona only paid uh, 70 million to Santos because he just had one year contract remaining. So it was basically very cheap. And then 30 million extra for him. The problem with this agreement between Neymar and Barcelona was that FIFA didn't accept it. It wasn't a legally binding contract in their eyes. And now what's in discussion in FIFA is if Barcelona and Neymar, if they did something wrong, if like they simulate his contract and salaries, paying this, this amount for him, and if they have to pay more for Santos. In December 2013, a Barca member called Jordi Cassés took Barcelona to court, claiming that they had actually spent something like 74 million euros on the Brazilian. In January, Barca president Sandro Rosé resigned over the accusations, replaced by Josep Maria Bartomeu, and the seeds were sown for the chaos that would eventually engulf the club in years to come. Humillación histórica del Bayern al Barça. Lionel Messi has told Barcelona that he wants to leave the club after nearly two decades with the Spanish giants. That saga inevitably had some impact on Neymar's reputation back home, but then again, the Brazilian opinion has never been straightforward. I think that's the most complex thing that uh, there is to speak about Neymar, because when 
when people ask me about the the view that uh, the Brazilians have of him, it's really plural. Natalie Jedra. I, I don't think that it's just a matter of people waiting to uh, j just wanting Neymar to be this good guy. But I think it's just many people like him regardless of what he's off the pitch because he's a very skillful player, because he can be the best player in the world and every Brazilian wants another Brazilian player to, to be uh, the best player in the world. And he represents a lot of um, what Brazilian fans like to see in football. This uh, is, is very spontaneous, uh, joyful uh, kind of uh, football. And it is very entertaining. So it's easy to, to enjoy yourself watching Neymar play football. And I think there are no questions about it. But regarding his persona, maybe people expected different things for him. For him to be more committed or more engaged with, I don't know, maybe more, more responsible in a way. But because it looks sometimes... Uh, people look at him and see a guy who is, is not as ambitious as he he once thought he would he was going to be. There was this expression in Brazil, o menino Neymar, like something like uh, Neymar the boy, uh, that people used for a very long time to uh, referring to him. And he was already 26, and people were were talking about him as the the boy, Neymar the boy, and. They just wanted more of him. They wanted to him for to to show this maturity on the pitch and off the pitch, and it it didn't always happen. So I think people were kind of frustrated with the overall image of the idol. Neymar was one third of a deadly attacking unit, but as time went on, there was an increasing sense that while his relationship with Suarez and Messi was strong, he would soon outgrow them and want to be the main man himself. He was the driving force behind La Remontada in the 2017 Champions League, where he scored twice and set up the clincher as Barca came back from a 4-0 first leg deficit to beat PSG. Now what's Neymar got up his sleeve here? Oh, he's got something really special up his sleeve. Great goal. Neymar for Barcelona. Neymar against Trap. He scored! Two quick goals for Neymar. It's Neymar trying to feed it through. It's a stretch and it's in. And I can't remember the last time I saw something like this. Extraordinary scenes at the new camp. Sergio Roberto, the substitute, is the hero of the hour. Champions League knockout comeback of all time. He was a team leader. After all, he'd been used to doing it from the very early days of his career. At Santos, he was someone who was used to pretty much carrying the team on his shoulders, not just in terms of being the best player, but in terms of just the way they played. He carried such responsibility from, from the age of 17, 18. When they needed a goal, they, they passed to him. When there was a penalty, he took the penalty. He's someone who has never shied away, you know, for all the people that say he's a diver and is, you know, overly histrionic on the field. He's someone who has, without, almost without exception throughout his career, uh, carried that responsibility and been willing to assume that kind of leadership role for all the teams he's played in. Not just at Santos, obviously, for, but for Brazil as well. By the time he moved to, 
to Barcelona and started developing there next to Messi. He was he was by far Brazil's most important player and has continued to be that. Despite all this, the idea that Neymar might actually leave Barcelona wasn't taken particularly seriously. After all, where would he go? Who would have the money and, perhaps more importantly, the prestige to lure him away? Little did they know at the time, but that comeback against PSG, a glorious night in what was otherwise a pretty underwhelming season, would be the turning point, the thing that persuaded Neymar to move away from Barcelona and the shadow of Lionel Messi. Next time on Beyond the Headline, we look at the transfer to PSG and trace the chain of events that led to Neymar leaving Barcelona in the summer of 2017. A match against Paris Saint-Germain made him change his mind and singing for Paris Saint-Germain. How PSG had absolutely no plans to sign him that year. They just had not planned, prepared and again budgeted for neither of them, neither Mbappé or, or Neymar. How Barcelona were in denial about the prospect of him leaving. A lot of people didn't take it that seriously, just assumed it was the usual kind of summer transfer rumour. And how the most expensive transfer in the history of football actually happened. This is part one of a three-part series of Beyond the Headline on Neymar, the transfer that changed the world. Parts two and three are available to download now and to listen to ad-free on The Athletic. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future editions of the podcast or follow Beyond the Headline on The Athletic. Beyond the Headline was produced by Abby Patterson for The Athletic. It was written by Nick Miller. The executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Mm-hmm.